All right, y'all. Welcome to the Know Your Rights Camp podcast. I am Mia Bell. I am a part of the Know Your Rights Camp, and I started in 2017. My first one was the New Orleans Camp, which was really important, especially historically, um, outside of the community endeavors that I am a part of. I'm also a radio personality, TV personality in New York City, and I have my hand in publishing, y'all. Master's degree in publishing, which I am exercising (laughs) now and in this space, and this side of me, I have our very intelligent youth ambassador from the Lower East Side Girls Club in New York City who told me you better not I call just me told her baby. Do not call me a baby. I'm is 21 not now. One of our babies. <laughs> Aisha Sacco, please tell us about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Aisha Sacco. I've been with the Know Your Rights Camp since 2017, and I've also I'm studying broadcast and digital journalism at Syracuse University, and I host a hip-hop radio show, and I also do marketing. I I do it all, okay? So uh, I'm really happy to be here, and I'm so excited to be interviewing with um, Mia Bell, who's also been such a great mentor to me. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Now, hold on. It is our pleasure to introduce the incomparable... Okay, Clay D. White, who is going to be kicking off this Know Your Rights camp with Know Your History, really amplifying how important it is to know where we come from. And that's how we kick the Know Your Rights camp off, because that is where it all stems from. So, Clay D., please give us your title and what it entails, because, ma'am, you are doing the work. You are doing the work. I am the director of the Oral History Research Center at UNLV. UNLV is one of the two universities here in Nevada. Wow. Now, can you tell us what that entails for our listeners? Yes, of course. Oral history is that process of collecting stories, memories from people throughout the community. So we collect history, not just reading and doing research from from primary source documents. But we also go into the community and we talk to people and we listen to people. Mm -hmm. We are able to add a component of history that you don't think about. Mm -hmm. So if you are just a regular historian, you're using those primary source documents produced by the government in most cases. So we are telling the story from the top down. Mm -hmm. With oral history, we can, yes, look at that component but we can add to it. We add the stories of regular, everyday people who had who witnessed life experiences, yeah. who witnessed events, and they know about housing. They know about redlining. Mm-hmm. They know firsthand about everything that we learn about when we read a book. Yeah. Now we can go and understand what that experience meant. Mm-hmm what it looks like. Yeah. And it also brings in an aspect of loving ourselves, right? Because when you know yourself, that love is different. And I want to ask you when you realized that love for yourself, or was this something that was always instilled in you from, you know, your community and your, your family? Or is it something that you ran into at some point in your life and was like, hold on now, let's dig deeper. And now you've made it, you know, your mission to to amplify. So I am a slow learner. Okay. I am a person who did not know myself Mm. until I was probably about 40 years of age, 45, something like that. 
I went back to school about that time and decided to study history. Okay. That brought me to where I am today. So I grew up as a sharecropper. So in a husky North Carolina, I was ashamed of my past for a while. And then I realized how powerful that story is because of my lived experiences and what I had added to it and what my family had added to it and my mentors along the way. And then I got to know people here in the Las Vegas community. It was amazing. It was amazing to learn their story and for them to tell me about migrating Mm -hmm. from places like Fordyce, Arkansas, to Lula, Louisiana, small places in Mississippi, what that migration was like and when it, what it meant to them, then to come to a place like Las Vegas with some opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that's what learning and becoming an oral historian has done. It takes a, life, a person's life experiences and it adds to history. Yeah. Yes, it makes history more and more rich. People used to bully me for being African yeah. because my skin was so dark. And that was like, you know, they used to say Africans live in tuts. And I've never been to Africa at that time. So when people asked me, I would used to tell them, oh, I'm Jamaican. What would you say to, to the girls like like me who, who felt ashamed of their skin color, felt ashamed of their history and where they came from? So there are two pieces of advice I give to young people. Number one, I tell them to have courage. Have courage to own your story. And then have courage to know what it is like to rely on the invisible. So you don't have to go around telling people that I'm religious and I believe this and that. But know that there is something greater. Know that there is something that gives you this intuition that you can rely on. Mm -hmm. So once you cultivate that spiritual side of yourself, you don't have to talk about it. Just do the work. It's Mm -hmm. innate. Yes, yes. Start cultivating that and then learn how to lean into it. Yes, So, So that's what I tell people. And the second thing I tell them is to travel. You know, one of the best trips I've ever taken was to Ghana. Yes, 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 yes. And when when you go into those the basements of those Ooh, castles, yes. tell them, Clady, yes. tell them, Clady, and yes. those docents tell you that you are standing on the defecation and the urination and the minister blood of your ancestors. Mm. That takes you back. I know that's that right. tells you the truth of your being. You, you, I'm so happy that you said that because I recently just started traveling. Um, I never used to travel unless I went to Africa with my mom. Mm-hmm. I went to, I did a solo trip to Paris. I didn't tell nobody. I just went out and did it. I've she been grown. To, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm grown. <laughs> okay. Solo trip. <laughs> I, and I was able to find myself. My, yes. I, I'm so proud to say I'm from Mali. My parents yes. came here with nothing. They worked yes. outside. Now I go to like the top journalist school. I yes. go to school for free. I don't pay no nothing. <laughs> yes. Full ride scholarship. Yes. I'm so proud of that. But yes. you said something that struck me. And it's like when you're standing in a space where you know like comes with ancestral trauma, yes, right? Yes. Which is something I wanted to ask you next because mm-hmm. I went to the um, Whitney Plantation in New Orleans. Yes, yeah. yes. 
by far one of the best experiences I've yes. ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. I was literally writing down every single thing the, yeah. the, the tour guide was saying, and I felt so empowered yeah. that I told myself, like, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to start protesting. I'm yeah. going to start doing what I'm going to tell people stories. And just the other day, I was telling people about the idea of braids and how in Africa, um, that the, the braids and the pattern, um, especially during the time of slavery, was used to get navigate. them out to help them navigate through um, that time period. So when we're talking about ancestral trauma, I feel like I also am experiencing that now, even just talking. Like, I just want to cry. I get so mm-hmm. emotional. Yeah. So wh- wh- why do you think that is with in- ancestral trauma and, and how we deal with it now? So for me, I am connected to slavery. Yeah. You know, I can go back three generations in my family, and there's an enslaved person. Wow. So the trauma is real and it's present. Mm-hmm. So, and then we go through Jim Crow, which teaches us to be less than, that things are not equal, that there is such a thing as redlining that does not allow you to have the same kind of house, the same kind of financial freedom as a person standing right beside you, but they might have a different color skin. So no matter how much education, no matter how much uh, life experiences I've had, I'm still held back by just certain things in the American society because it's structural, mm-hmm. it's systemic. Yeah. So yes, the trauma continues. So once that legacy, once you understand that legacy and start speaking up and standing your ground, it makes a difference. It makes a difference inside you. Yeah. So can you imagine without those constraints? Where we would be, what we would do. And so since we know that, right, you know that they know that. And once we tap into that is when you can do more. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know? Yes. Because now you're standing on that. Like, oh, I know what you're trying to do. Exactly. Exactly. So we have to know the truth. And we have to teach each other. Yes. You know, you are very fortunate young people. But your friends sometimes don't know what you know, and they yeah. need to know. Yeah. So I tell people to start traveling, go to the continent first, then go to Europe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, but you need to tell them. Yeah. We need to start talking to people. Yeah. So I have girlfriends of all ethnic backgrounds, yeah. and we talk about things. They yeah. don't like ha- what I say half the time. Doesn't make any difference. Yeah. I don't stop. Yeah. What about the cultural separation when it comes to you know what? people would say the African-American community, then we have the Caribbeans and we have the African, like you mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's this, there's this space where we kind of meddle in between with the differences mm-hmm. and almost like, because we've been stripped from our culture in this space, in this country, there's a lot that, you know, people don't know about themselves. And, and we need to learn to love each other. Right. It's, it's difficult. It's yeah. difficult because we do allow people to segregate us, yes. to separate us. Right. And it needs to start with your generation. My generation didn't do well. Mm. It's time for us to stop that. Right. But you're here, Africa, Haiti. Haiti. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so this shows that we're making progress right, yeah, right exactly. now. So we, we've got to continue that progress. Yeah. Our first black attorney here in Las Vegas was a person from the Bahamas. Okay. Came from New York. Mm-hmm. 
and did marvelous things here, not just in Las Vegas, but also in the Reno area. Mm -hmm. So we have that tradition that we do help each other. I don't know the solution. I know we just got to start talking and keep talking. We need to talk. Yeah, absolutely. Before we end, I do want to ask you just two more questions. So I personally was up all night just doing research on you. I truly adore you. And you talked about about Jackson. Can you help me? Jackson Avenue. Jackson Avenue. And how I was telling me about you were talking about how um, back in the days, like as uh, black people were the entertainers, but they can never be the businessmen. And Mm. this idea that like we as black people, we're, we're only solely entertainers for our oppressors, for white people, but we can't enter the spaces of business or even creating your own community, your own space. So I, I want you to talk about that a bit and like, how does that connect to like where we're at today? Cause I was drawing connections to like, you know, sports and music. They're also still fighting basically within their community, within those systems for access, accessibility. So do you want to how do we draw those connections and where do we cut that line and say, we're not solely going to be the entertainment, but we're going to be businessmen. We're going to have our own communities. We're going to have our own house and stuff like that. So starting back in the early 1930s, African-Americans were told to move west of the tracks. So that's why the historic West side at one time was probably 98% African-American. African-Americans established businesses there. Jackson Avenue was the business corridor, some businesses on D Street and E Street and F Street as well. So it was a black community, self-contained black community, where there were businesses and boarding houses, barbershops, beauty shops, restaurants, bowling alley, all of that. Some of the businesses were not black owned, most were. So at one time, we had this self-contained, prosperous community, not as attractive as some other communities, because we couldn't get the loans that most communities, we couldn't get SBA loans in some Mm -hmm. cases to finance those businesses that you're talking about. But entertainers would come to Las Vegas to entertain. And we're talking about the Sammy Davis Juniors of the day. So... We had those entertainers, Nat King Cole, Lena Horne, Pearl Bailey. They would come and perform on the Las Vegas Strip. They couldn't enter the front doors of the casino. They had to go into the back door, just like our maids, African-American women who were maids, they went into the back doors as well. But when those entertainers would leave the Strip, they would come to the West Side. And because there were nightclubs on the West Side, then they would have jam sessions. So you could get the same entertainment on Jackson Avenue Mm -hmm. that people just paid mega bucks to see in the sands and the dunes and those places. I I think that's so beautiful. Yes, but they couldn't find the accommodations here in Las Vegas. So Sammy Davis Jr. entertaining in Harlem in New York They could stay in Harlem at black hotels. They could stay on Central Avenue in Los Angeles when they were there. But here in Las Vegas, we only had a few boarding houses. So they didn't like that part of of their deal here. 
but they got paid more than any other place in America to entertain here in the entertainment capital of the world. Then integration comes along. Integration comes along, and then the consent decree of 1971 allows blacks to work in other jobs on the Las Vegas Strip, Mm -hmm. meaning that African Americans now begin to move out of the West Side community and begin to move all over the city. So by 1980, mm-hmm. our businesses in the black area of the city are declining. Wow. And now if you would go to the west side, you would see vacant lots and you would see only maybe two or three businesses left. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened to our communities with integration, with the advent of drugs in the community, mm-hmm. drugs that weren't treated like the drug acad- epidemic of today. The drug epidemic of the 1970s and 1980s in the black communities, they put African-Americans in jail. They didn't put them into treatment programs like they're doing today with the opioid crisis because it's a white crisis. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference when you look at our community today. You see the results of that systematic, systemic racism. Right. Yeah. And that's the importance in knowing these stories. We've got to know this. And now we're beginning to reinvest in that area of the city it is going to change we understand it enough now and we have people who can bridge the gap yes that understand well enough that never left the community mm-hmm. understand well enough what happened and are beginning to reinvest in communities like that historic west side that jackson right. avenue yeah. jackson just like avenue. just like baltimore yeah you see that reinvestment in yeah. other mm-hmm. cities also so my last question to you, and I think uh, me and Miabel can uh, agree with this last question. So we're back in the Know Your Rights camp. It's been about two and a half years. And as I've been explaining, the, the kids are coming back with so much, you know, COVID-19. They saw what happened in 2020 when with the uprising, right, the uprising, the freedom fighters, and they still don't really understand. So. How are you going to ensure tomorrow that the kids who are coming to this camp are understanding their history? And what do you want them to leave with? Come on with the question. I like that one. Let's end it right. (laughs) So I talk about national, the national black experience at the beginning of the presentation. And then the second half of my presentation is about Las Vegas. I talk about what happened in Las Vegas And I trace it from the beginning. Really, I trace it from 1870-something, where the first black man migrates here from North Carolina, comes here, owns property. So that's how we know he was here. Mm -hmm. So I trace it from there up until today. I talk about Legacy Park. I end it with Legacy Park. Mm -hmm. Legacy Park is a park that just opened December 5th of 2021. It honors the thinkers and the doers in the black community here. So I can walk those kids through Legacy Park and I can tell them their history. So I'm going to talk about Legacy Park. I'm going to talk about the first black attorney who came here, sent here by Thurgood Marshall. I'm going to talk about the consent decree. I'm going to talk about integration. So I'm going to lead them through their history. I don't even have enough time to do it. I need to go into their classrooms mm-hmm. and, and have them learn some of these things because if they can learn here locally, yeah. 
and then expand it, I want them to be curious. I want them to leave with curiosity tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I want them to just have enough tomorrow to want to go home and pick up a book that I've, that I've named in my presentation. Just want them to be curious. To dig deeper. Yes. And that is why we have you here today. Clady, it is such an honor to be in your presence. Thank you for your being. Oh Thank my you goodness. for your being, you for your so knowledge. Happy. I'm like, I'm fulfilled. I'm we so are fulfilled. beaming. <laughs> we are so happy. This is the Know Your Rights Camp podcast. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. I admire you. Thank you. We oh, admire yes. you. Okay. <laughs> Yes, thank you. I am Clay T. White, and I know my rights. I'm Aisha Sacco, and I know my rights. I'm Mia Bell Busico, and I know my rights. Thanks for listening to the Know Your Rights Camp podcast. I know you loved it, and if that's true, I need you to like, subscribe, and share, okay?